Welcome to In What Artworks On Air, where we shine a light on the musicians, filmmakers, writers, and artists of all stripes that make their home in or around the neighborhood of Inwood, New York City. I'm Aaron Sims. And I'm Jonathan Bell. And this is Live and Local. So Live and Local edition of In What Artworks On Air is a place where we get to hang with Inwood musicians, talk about music, and best of all, hear them do their thing. Jonathan, who are we welcoming on the show today? We have the very talented Jamie Reynolds. Jamie is a Canadian pianist and composer who arrived to New York from Toronto in 2005. Since then, he's played New York's premier jazz clubs and toured throughout Europe and North America, including the Newport Jazz Festival. His 2017 album, Grey Mirror, Fresh Sound, New Talent, received 4.5 stars in Downbeat magazine. James teaches jazz piano, theory, and composition at the 92nd Street Y School of Music, and he's a long-standing member of Rob Shep's Quartet, that's C-O-R-E hyphen Tet, <laughs> one of many collaborative projects. But today on Live and Local, we are lucky to have Jamie all to ourselves. Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Reynolds.
Thank you so much, Jamie, for being here and sharing your performance with us. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you just played? Sure. And I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real honor to be here with you guys. So yeah, what I just played was uh, kind of a pushing together of two different things that don't always go together. There was a composed piece in there, the second thing, the last, close to the last thing that you heard, uh, that was called Mielkeur, which is a bad pronunciation of two French words, <laughs> which, which mean honey heart, <laughs> which I, I should be able to speak French better than Your I, secret safe better than I can. Okay. Well, except that well, this is Toronto. a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm from Toronto, not yes. Montreal. Yes, not Montreal. I have no reason, except I do speak French. But anyway, I wrote this a while ago, and it's on a record of mine called Time with People from quite a while ago. But it's it, that was a, sort of a composed element of what I just played. And before that, there was quite a long introduction, which was improvised. And, um, you know, as a jazz musician, we're used to improvising. I'm used to improvising a lot. But it isn't always completely free, and I'm always trying to think about ways to structure an improvisation so that there are boundaries and there are uh, what I think of as almost rules or, or things that are, have been put in place and designed by myself to give something that I'm trying to play just some, some, uh, some coherence right out of the gate that I don't have to create in the moment, so to speak. So what I'm basically doing is filling in blanks, filling in the gaps left by the structure that I've created previously. If that makes any sense. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I can go into as much detail about that as you want. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, or as little. Well, I love the idea of how setting creative limits is freeing. It's actually, it's absolutely like necessary. And as a, you know, pianist myself, yeah. I've come to realize the wisdom in that simplicity. It's taken me a while to realize how important it is to set those sort of limits. But but what I what I wanted to talk about first is just kind of an overall aesthetic of your opening improvisation just generally two things were noteworthy for me right away one was just sort of this pastoral very open and wide canvas that had a pulse but maybe not so metered it didn't feel so metered and it was sort of arabesque mm -hmm. and also sort of if I can add one more thing, it almost felt like gradually overlapping, shifting motifs mm. that just kind of slipped past each other sometimes. And so there was sort of these little um, granular elements that you were maintaining throughout, sort of dancing next to each other. So, I, I just can't tell you how good it is, how nice it is, how lovely it is to have listeners who are, who are actually listening and take and and uh, inter and was the word processing things on on a level that's kind of profound so thanks for noticing all that stuff it's oh, it's, it's amazing the recalls are really beautiful throughout the whole improvisation thank you so i'm so i'm yeah i mean what you guys are picking up on is basically what i was talking around uh, when i was speaking about it before you know there there are there were the basic idea was that there were different there were phrases of different lengths in either hand mm. And I, I was like, you know, I mm -hmm. think to myself, I have two hands here. And <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I get into. You know, you can play a drum with two hands and you can you can play one pattern between two hands or you can play two different patterns that overlap one in the one hand and one in the, in the other hand. And since we have all these fingers as well, we can create deeper patterns within the macro pattern of the hand, which which may be playing a phrase that's seven beats long in the case of that one. And the left hand was playing five, a five beat long phrase, uh -huh. which is what you're hearing with the overlapping thing. Uh -huh. And then within those two phrases that are different lengths, the fingers on the different notes in one key for, uh, by the way, that was all in E major, you know, will be uh, shifting which notes they're actually playing to fill out that pattern. So that's the way, that's what I was, that's to flesh out what I was talking about before, like 
the the opening idea was to have two different patterns that were rhythmic but not actually uh, structured as far as what notes I was going to play. Right, <laughs> but you gave yourself a plan. Gave myself a plan. That's nice. Exactly. And, I, and I also wanted to give you maybe a, a little opportunity to speak a bit just on your modular synthesis sure. idea and how that might relate to what we just heard. Yeah, well, it certainly does. This is That's something that I've been getting into over the last year or so. And this is a whole system of uh, doing synthesis. Like you, we might think of a keyboard synthesizer. There are some famous models out there, but this is more like different modules that are, they just look like a, a little box with a bunch of wires and switches and stuff like that. And I shouldn't actually claim that I'm using real modular stuff because it's extremely expensive. But there are <laughs> there's this incredible uh, virtual emulation of it that you can that you can download and use, and it's extremely sophisticated and high level and everything. So I'm learning to do it on that. But the basic thing that has to do with what I'm what, with the way I play is that you can create these sequences that basically do automatically what I was just doing. And you can create all these parameters using different machines that will cause the notes to shift and the keys to shift and the patterns to shift against each other. And you can basically create an an endless generative performance, exactly like what I did, except it'll go on for for weeks without repeating itself. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. So, and and within that, you can modulate the length of the notes Mm -hmm. and the attack of the notes and the amount of uh, basically the quality of the sound of the notes in 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 a way that's rhythmic and repetitive as well. So you can get all these different elements of rhythm that are cro- that are that have that are sort of jumping against each other and creating patterns basically right. and it's just absolutely endless as far as what you can do and I'm trying to bring a little bit of that to the way I play actually I was already doing that before but that, that it may be, be that for that reason that I like this right. way of doing synthesis is that you can actually do what I, I was already trying to do except the computer will do it for me <laughs> right 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 and, it, and I, can, I can tweak the sound as much as I want it's very mesmerizing and it's a very interesting transition going from that world that speaks the language somewhat of chance and chaos in a designed way into a more discursive language of a composition. So so that sort of a, that being a prelude, functioning as this prelude and, and merging into your piece I thought was like was was very effective. Well, that was my hope exactly because yeah. that world is is definitely not populated by musicians who are trained in the way that you and I are trained in where our orientation is toward creating compositions that have a beginning and a middle and an end and and uh, development and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's more about creating a texture that right. can begin here and yeah. develop and then go wherever and stop really whenever or never. <laughs> well, speaking of training, uh, like many musicians, you've had a series of mentors who've Mm -hmm. helped you along the way. Mm -hmm. And now through the 92nd Street Y, you've been a mentor to many students and uh, curious as you search for patterns and as you synthesize material, how has becoming a teacher influenced your music and what you're working on? So much. It really has. I became, well, I, I did come to New York to study first with Fred Hirsch, the great jazz pianist Fred Hirsch, and, and later with uh, a guy named Craig Taborn, who's, who at the time was not as well known as he is now. He's uh, become very successful doing, completely doing his own thing. He's a giant inspiration to me all the more now than he was even then. But yes, I, I think from those two experiences, I learned certainly learned a lot about how to play the piano and how to improvise and compose and everything. But uh, I also learned a lot about the ways that you can impart information to a student and the ways that you can create a dynamic between, a, rather, a teacher can create a dynamic with a student that can either be effective in imparting knowledge and wisdom and information and inspiration or less effective. So I had varying experiences back then with those people 
that really showed me that it's a really important job and it can really illuminate uh, a lot of things for both parties. And so now I teach all the time. I teach uh, mostly adults. I try to, I try to teach only adults. Uh, <laughs> we just really deal with music almost more than the piano. You know, I feel like the, the people that I teach who are just learning piano are fewer than the people that where we're getting into a broader sense of like, how do we understand music? How do I, how does this individual person want to relate to music? What's their natural orientation? And let me help them develop that and figure that out for them. Maybe it isn't playing the piano. Maybe it's listening better, or maybe it's, you know, composing on the computer or, or doing, or doing, you know, any, any number of different things have come my way. <laughs> we do a lot of analysis and, but really it's about a dynamic that you create between the, yourself and the student that is more or less effective at getting something of value across, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a very holistic yeah. teaching approach. That is. Um, you said one phrase that caught my ear was um, natural orient- orientation. Yes. So yeah. in that vein, is there anything in the environment more concretely in terms of where you live now in upper Manhattan that's had in any way an impact or an influence on any of the music you've written? Yeah. Well, that's, a. I mean, a, a great way to just begin that topic, you know, as we discussed, you know, I'm actually in Riverdale, just across, just a tiny hop, skip, and a jump across the little. <laughs> it's all one community. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to misrepresent anything, but, you know, I'm in Spite and Dival, you know, the, the, the southern tip of Riverdale. Oh, Jim, you're creating so many divisions here amongst us. <laughs> I can look right across that little river and looking right at Inwood. This is true. The Dutch. Yeah, right. It's a historic. Riviera, Riviera actually. a historic place right there. You can exactly. skip a stone. It's yeah. where, for those playing along with your history books, it is supposedly where Peter Minuet bought Manhattan from the Native Americans. Right there. Like right across there. Right from there. the Spite and Dival right Metro North yeah, Station. Absolutely. <laughs> across the river. And anyway. boy, that station get in the way of that purchase, <laughs> yeah. I believe. Right. So to answer your question, um, so I spent a long time living in Brooklyn, in a pretty dense part of Brooklyn where... You know, there were a ton of artists everywhere and everyone was doing their thing and it was very, very intense all the time. And I loved it, to be honest. But I... You're allowed to love Brooklyn. I'm allowed to love Brooklyn. Thank you very much. <laughs> I spent a really long time there in different different apartments over the years. And I have to say, it started to get, without getting into the whole gentrification conversation at all, because I'm not prepared to do that. And, you know... It's a whole different podcast. <laughs> it's a whole different podcast. <laughs> Uh, you know, it just started to feel a little bit too dense in a sense of people, you know, and I, 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 it just might be that I'm someone who needs more space around me and fewer people around me sometimes. But moving to Riverdale was fantastic for me. It's part of New York City. You know, it was, that was important to me. I have a kid. I wanted him to be in the school. And PS24, shout out, is a fantastic school up there. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. But um, now we do. But the thing about Riverdale for me is that it is part of the city, but not, it's in the city, but not completely of the city, if you will. Like, right. to be honest with you, I've spent a lot of time in Inwood proper uh, yeah. in the last year for various reasons. And I found exactly the same thing there. There's this whole, there are many overlapping different communities and environments th- that exist there, that coexist there, that are in the same way, sort of in Manhattan, You're still but not just of. in the thick of it, and you get a sensation you could get out. Yes, you can get out, <laughs> right. and, and, in, and you actually can. You can breathe. You yeah. can breathe, and in Riverdale, uh, across the river, I can I can breathe absolutely. It's also nice to know that I can just get in my car and head north, and you're instantly out of New York. You you don't have to fight through the entire city like you do in Brooklyn. You know, it's the great getaway. It is mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jamie, what are you going to play for us next? Well, I am going to do another related, hopefully a little bit different improvisation to start, 
And the piece that I'm going to play to conclude is a thing that I wrote um, more recently. Uh, it was on that 2017 album that you mentioned, Grey Mirror. Um, and the song is called, the piece song is, uh, is called Lake Cycle. It's completely composed in the sense that I'm not improvising anything. And you'll know that part when you, when you, when you hear it because it'll be repetitive and okay. predictable and everything. But it's called Lake Cycle. It's sort of loosely influenced by the visual of the lake where I grew up going in Canada, the, the way the water moves, basically. Mm-hmm. Do you want to give a plug to the name of the lake in Canada? So, like, they won't be jealous of the school kids. <laughs> <laughs> to the name of the yeah, lake? Yeah, the name of the lake. Well, it's not like Ontario, where I'm, where I'm actually from, but the lake where my cottage is on is uh, it's called Sturgeon Lake. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Sturgeon Lake in the Kawartha region of Ontario. <laughs> All right. Amen. Once again, Jamie Reynolds.
Jamie, that was wonderful. Um, and we were just kidding a second ago about your glacial poignancy as a fan. I think very aptly put it in terms of just the spacing and transparency is another word. There's just a lot of words that come to mind in terms of the, the beauty of your pieces. And I'm positive that our listeners are going to want to know where they can hear more, where they can purchase some of your music, and also where they might catch a performance. Sure. Well, so not doing a lot of gigs at the moment. I have something coming up in May at this jazz club called Mesro downtown, May the 5th. I'm playing with Steve Wilson, great saxophone player, and uh, Orlando LaFleming, great drum, sorry, great bass player, not drummer. And that's a little group that I'm trying to put together. Played a few months ago at the same club and playing real jazz, like straight up, mm-hmm. straight ahead jazz, right. um, which I also do. Right. You wouldn't know it from tonight, but mm-hmm. that's I'm I'm touring a lot in March, but it's some other stuff that is not related to this at all. So I do have a website, jamiereynoldspiano.com is where um, I am on the internet. And I also should mention I have a little project that is not super active at the moment, but which is we're going to be doing more in the, in the near future, uh, a little record label mm. called Human Resource Records, which can be found at humanresourcerecords.com. Partner and I have put out, one of my albums is out on that, the middle one. And <clears throat> there's another album out by an amazing trumpet player, guitar trumpet duo, Aaron Schrag with Ben Monder. Uh, it's a fit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So wow. he put he put that record out with us. One of my uh, favorite yeah, it's a great record. Speaking of meditative, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's out on this little label that my friend uh, Eric and I have. And we're going to try to do a lot more on that uh, in that's the next exciting. few years. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Jamie, for sharing your time and talent with us here on Live and Local. So listeners will have those links up for you on our In What Artworks on Air page and on our website. Thanks again, Jamie, for being here. Thank you guys so much for having me. Sure thing. This is Live and Local. It's part of the Inwood Artworks On Air series where we showcase musicians that make their home in or around Inwood in New York City. So be sure to follow us at Inwood Artworks and at inwoodartworks.nyc on the web to keep up with all that we do Inwood Artworks Wise, which also includes our other programs, film, stage, and visual arts oriented, such as the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Alfresco, Pop Art Galleries, live performances, and a lot more. So stay tuned for more editions of Live and Local as well. And thank you for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims. And I'm Jonathan Bell. For Inwood Artworks, on air. Thanks for listening to this live and local episode of Inwood Artworks on air. If you have a moment, please show some love right now for this podcast and for the musicians, artists, filmmakers, writers of Inwood by reviewing Inwood Artworks on air on iTunes. It really helps and we really appreciate it. So thanks. Be sure to also check out our Artist Spotlight series where we tell the stories of Inwood artists and its creators. In the meantime, stay tuned for more live and local programs released monthly from Inwood Artworks.